Hello, I'm Rachel Bevan from the Oncology Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Cohen, who is the Evaluation Manager at Canteen. She is a paediatric dietitian who worked at the Kids Cancer Centre at the Sydney Children's Hospital for 15 years. Today, we're talking about robots. Us grown-ups have had our fair share of moans over the last 18 months with the COVID-19 experience. But it must have been quite seismic for young people being treated with cancer. So, the wonderful folks over at Canteen have a new pilot program using telepresence robots to help young cancer patients adjust back to the school routine. The aim is to facilitate school patient connection, reduce isolation and improve well-being for young cancer patients. As always, you'll find links to the paper, Jennifer's bio and the Twitter handles in the notes on our website. For regular news and podcast updates, subscribe to the Oncology Newsletter for free on oncologynews.com.au. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This is Rachel Babin and this is the Oncology Podcast. Hi, Jen. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So lockdowns are over for now, at least, we hope. (laughs) And we're getting kids back into school. And this means young people with compromised immune systems too. What are the main problems that you identified with the return to school after such a long period of isolation? So there's actually a lot of research in children and adolescents, so young people with chronic conditions and um, absences from school. And, you know, we see this in the research that the more, you know, a child or an adolescent misses school, the more academic challenges they're going to have and it's going to lead to poorer academic performance. And, you know, it can end up leading to things like, you know, children having to repeat a year of school when they're older, which we know can really impact, you know, not only their, their confidence but their well-being and also, you know, they're having to repeat a year so they're moving away from the peers that they've potentially gone through school with. So then, you know, they're less likely to, you know, potentially finish um, education or um, go into secondary education and again, this can lead to issues such as um, poor well-being. So, you know, what we then start seeing is, you know, a feeling of isolation because they're not with the peers that they um, grew up with and, you know, issues with social confidence. And really, you know, for a lot of kids with, say, chronic disease, you know, that feels like they're missing out on all the fun things that happen at school. And you know what? We do know from the research that children with chronic illness are twice as likely to experience moderate to high levels of emotional distress than their peers. So we know missing school does have big um, psychosocial impacts on young people. So that covers definitely the periods of absence that must be quite common for young cancer patients. Yeah, definitely. And are there any other factors that go towards this in terms of their overall well-being, their mental health? Um, Well, yeah, I mean... What we do know is that, you know, school is not just about education. So that's one factor when you come to school, but it's also about that peer connection, that social support. And think of especially adolescents. It's the time when you're becoming independent and it's a time when you're you're looking at your place in the world. If that gets disrupted because you're not engaging with school for long periods of time, we know that can then lead to, you know, things like anxiety, depression and distress. So we definitely see sort of that that progression from not, you know, missing school up to sort of psychological disruption over time. So let's get stuck into some serious robot <laughs> talk. 
How did they work? Did they move around with the patient? Did they attend lessons? Did they talk? Did they interact? Yeah, I know everyone sort of thinks, what do we mean by a, a telepresence robot? So they call them a telepresence robot, which is a form of information communication technology, which is a very fancy word. And there are actually lots of different telepresence robots around there. And on a podcast, this is going to be harder to explain. But really what they are, in essence, is a remote control device and it's wirelessly connected so and it allows both audio and video connection and it can be mobile or stationary so imagine a young person is say at in their their hospital bed or they're at home and they're having their cancer treatment and they're on say a computer or an ipad and in the school is this telepresent robot and they can use their iPad or their computer to almost like a to control this robot. And the robot that's in the school is, I guess sometimes think of them as a few different ones, but think of it as an iPad on a stick, which is on some of them that move around or on a Segway. And so then they move around. They're quite tall, actually. Or there's ones that are more stationary that sit on a bench and they sort of have an, an iPad that moves around. And I think the most important sort of aspects of a telepresence robot is the fact that they can move around. So the young person in the hospital bed while they're having their, you know, chemotherapy can actually move this robot around. So they could maybe, you know, have the uh, robot looking at their teacher while they're teaching or they could turn around to see what's going on in the classroom. The ones that are actually mobile, they can actually, you know, steer it out of the classroom and through, you know, into the corridors. And the ones that are on the more stationary, they swivel up to about 270 degrees. So it's more than just having a, like imagine, it's different to just having an iPad on the desk because they can control the head. So they can, again, look at what um, the teacher's saying. If, I say, a student is talking, they can swivel it around and look at the student. So it's really about having, you know, the robots in the classroom and the young person is, is controlling it. And there are a few different uh, different versions available out there. And we um, we use at Canteen both the stationary and the mobile versions. Okay, so fantastic. So the idea is that the robot goes to school yes. whilst the child <laughs> can't. Yes, exactly. I see. And so are they used primarily for lessons or does the robot go outside for lunch break and sit and gossip? Actually, you know what, both. And I think that's what we found actually when we did our pilot is that, you know, I think when people think of a telepresence robot, they're thinking it primarily for that, you know, that being able to be lessened so they're not missing school. And as we know, I said before that, you know, that academic, you know, that they're missing school and, you know, can lead to issues with, um, you know, having to repeat. But what was really interesting is that for our young people who use the robot, it's having that peer connection was actually sometimes more important than the the academic. So in essence, if a young person was using it to because they wanted to connect with their friends and see their friends, then yes, they could actually take the robot and roll it outside. And we hear stories of some of our more extroverted young people who actually love like rolling the robot down the corridor and people actually say hello because they can see the person's face on the robot. And so they actually can, if they've got, um, if they've got the capability, can actually roll the robot outside and it can sit, you know, with them at, at lunchtime if they wanted. And also even the stationary ones, you know, their friend can take the robot outside and they can sit with it. So, you know, it's, Yes, we want to use it from an academic perspective. And we find found that for our, say, 
our older adolescent patients. So those who are, say, getting closer towards the end of school, they really wanted to use it more for academic. They wanted to be listening in the classroom, make sure they're not missing out. But for our younger adolescents, you know, our 12 and 13-year-olds, for them it was all about that social and peer connection. And you know what? It was really about just that feeling that they weren't missing out on anything. And I think that was the most important aspect. When we were doing our um, sort of early research before we started the robots program, we were talking to young people about the robots. And, you know, a lot of them said, you know, when they went back to school after missing, you know, uh, you know, a big chunk of time, and we're talking, you know, children with cancer could be missing, you know, nine to 12 months of school. So when they go back to school, they actually feel like they're starting at a new school and they're starting again because they've missed out on so much. So for really, it, for the, the robot is, is for some young people, it is about that peer connection, that social connection, that not feeling like they missed out. And for others, it really is about the academic and feeling like that, you know, they're listening to what's happening at school. It's interesting. And I guess with a lot of education being delivered online recently in the last few months as well, did you find that the children or the adolescents enjoyed the process that they were used to having that kind of tele-education set up anyway? Yeah. You know what? It's interesting because we haven't done too much research in that area, but I've been thinking about it. And I actually wonder if So Sydney's just, you know, had four months of homeschooling. I've just done it. So I've got a seven and a nine-year-old. And I was actually thinking that if anything, lockdown, and I have no, like, I'd love to, you know, talk to young people about this, but I have a feeling lockdown and homeschooling actually would have been more beneficial for young people um, during cancer treatment because they could be on Zoom with their friends and not feel like they're missing out because their friends, nothing was happening at school because all their friends were at home. So I actually wonder if the last you know, 12 to 18 months, you know, especially when a a place is in lockdown and all their friends are on Zoom, at home, so they're doing exactly what their friends are doing, if that was actually a little bit easier, which is also going to be then harder because now all their friends are back at school. So they might have had this four months, say, in Sydney where they were connecting with their friends and they were doing exactly what their friends were doing. And now they're like, oh, now I'm missing out again. So I think it it potentially could have been easier there for a while for young people. And now it's, again, back to that. So they may have been used to the, you know, that learning through a Zoom call or through an iPad, but they wouldn't have felt like they were missing out during lockdown. And I feel like that going back to school now means that young people are like, now we're back to square one. Now we, you know, now a robot is going to be even more important because we want to get that connection back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said about how it must feel about starting a new school really resonates, particularly if your appearance has changed as well. And, you know, your outlook, you know, certain facets of your personality when you go through something so big at such a formative age. Definitely. And I, and I was actually going to say along those lines, unfortunately, the there are, you know, we look at research that said there is actually increased bullying for young people sort of with cancer when they go back to school, which is really, really sad. And it is because of that. I know you sort of think, surely, you know, they've, you know, their friends are going to understand what they've been through, that that they are going to look different and be different. But we, we, you know, the research shows that they are at risk of sort of increased bullying when they go back to school. Um, so not only are they feeling like they're starting school again, but there's potential for increased bullying, which is why we're starting to, you know, we, we are seeing issues with 
poorer well-being and anxiety and depression, it's not a surprise because of all the things they miss and then this risk of bullying when they go back to school. It's really sad. Gosh, it's heartbreaking. So to the results, do the robots work? Did the <laughs> patients feel more connected? Have we got a happy ending? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we definitely have a happy ending. So when we, we've been trialling the Telepresence Robots program for about two years. Obviously, COVID has been during that, but there have been plenty of opportunities to trial the robots, um, you know, in states that haven't been in lockdown and even states that before they went into lockdown. And what we did is we interviewed, you know, the young person, the parents, the schools, because obviously the schools play a huge part in the telepresence robots program because there needs to be a lot of support from the school. And we sort of asked them about how they they felt about the telepresence robot. And again, exactly what we'd expected to see is what we saw, that there was really two main benefits for the having that telepresence robot. One was that academic. And again, as I said before, we found for the older, so the older adolescents, so maybe those in year 11 and 12 who really focused on the end of school, it was really, the robot really gave them a great way to feel like they're, you know, attending school and that they, they, they weren't feeling like they were behind in their schoolwork. And I think that was really important. So we had that kind of group who the academic was really important. And then the other group, which I guess was the bigger group, was that the robots really were a great facilitator of social connection. And I think that's probably the most important um, part. You know, the young people we interviewed said it really, the robots really helped them to be able to connect with their peers that they had never been able to do before having a telepresence robot. You know, and for some young people, it wasn't even about doing huge interactions with all their friends. You know, we, yes, we have that story of the young person liking to roll down the corridor and, you know, everyone saying hello. But for some young people, just being able to sit there and listen to what was going on with their friends, what was being said, made them feel like they weren't missing out on things. And I think that is really what has then led to a lot of parents, especially saying they just saw such a change in in their child when they started the service. In fact, we have one story where it was a, a mum of, of an adolescent boy and he was in hospital a lot for his treatment and was really, really sort of really flat, really depressed. And she said, yes, he was able to connect with his friends. You know, we have social these days. You know, we have FaceTime, we have, you know, Snapchat, we have TikTok. But there was that still that sense of missing out. But she said, you know, the first time he used that robot um, was able to even just, you know, when they were just trialing it, it wasn't even being used sort of for a full classroom. It was just being trialed with some friends in the classroom. She said his whole mood changed just from that one kind of connection with their friends. So, you know, imagine that was just one little connection with their friends that his whole sort of mood changed. So imagine for those who are able to use the robot consistently and not feel like that they were, you know, missing out. So I think it was what we found is definitely that not feeling like they're missing out from an academic perspective, not missing out on that peer connection. And really and the other aspect that we found is that for young people it really gave them a sense of agency or a sense of control over their lives. Because, you know, imagine for young people, and especially adolescents who are, you know, this is the time in their lives where they're starting to get independence. You know, they're starting to find their place in the world. And all of a sudden they're sick. 
and all decisions are taken away from you know their parents are looking after them again they get no decisions all their friends are now starting to go out and get their license and go to parties and they've got no control over their lives and this the robot program was just this little bit in their life that they had control in that in the fact that they could control when they wanted to dial into the classroom when they did it, whether they wanted to talk to their friends, whether they didn't. Um, Even, like as I said before, we have two robots because every young person is different. So the young person could go, yes, I want a robot that's just going to sit in the corner and I can sort of sit here quietly. Or the young person who really wanted to be involved with the school community can say, I want the robot that moves around so everyone can see me. Again, it's that sense of agency, a sense of control that I think really helped improve our young people's well-being. Yes, don't underestimate the power of being able to make your own decisions, even about small things. Definitely, definitely. And imagine if you're an adolescent, even more yes. so. Yes, yep. exactly. So robots in schools work. Are there plans to roll them out, get them to all the young cancer patients? The answer is definitely. So we've actually with the robots program we've actually been lucky in Australia to try it in a few different states so even our canteen's head office is in Sydney we've actually had robots go out um, to Sydney also to to rural and regional um, New South Wales so about three or four hours south of Sydney we've had a a couple up in Queensland we've even had two down in Tasmania and one in um, South Australia so we've shown that we can the robots can be rolled out. I feel like when I say rolled out, it's like a pardon the pun. Is this the um, the robots roll? Pardon the pun. So yes, we definitely want to now look at rolling out the robots to to all around Australia. So you know, to WA, especially when borders open. So maybe WA is a little bit away, but you know, once once our borders open in Australia, is being able to that all young people around Australia have a can access a telepresence robot if they want to, and I think. What's we always talk about the positives of COVID sometimes, we try to anyway, is that because of COVID, it's really shown that a telepresence robot is not just about the robot. There's there's a whole service that is sort of part of the telepresence robots. You know, we have a coordinator who gives education to the school, gives education to the family, um, to the, the young person. We have an IT support. And what we've been able to do is, do all of that support remotely. So really for a young person to be able to have a telepresence robot, we can send that robot out to them, you know, in even rural and remote areas, as long as they have pretty good Wi-Fi connectivity, that's probably the only thing that would stop a robot working, then there's no reason why anyone in Australia can't have a robot and then we can support that service remotely from um, from our you know national office and from our state-based offices. So, yes, the plan is definitely to roll them out sort of across Australia. So it's really heartening to hear about the equitable access, actually, because I was just about to ask you, you know, do young people in regional and rural areas typically get included in these kind of fancy ICT programs? I know you sort of assume that they don't. But like I said, I think what's been good is that we have been able to trial a telepresence robot outside of a capital city. So we've had, I think, a couple actually. They're about three hours south of Sydney. So again, out of Sydney, out of metropolitan Sydney, and long as there's long as there's Wi-Fi and connectivity, and also and and the reality is awareness of of the the program, then there's no reason why a young person um 
can't be connected into the program. And I think, and again, every state is different. But in Australia, most young people, if they're being treated for cancer, are in a main hospital anyway. They're going to be up in Sydney. They're going to be up in, you know, the main centres in Queensland. So the hospitals know to refer young people into this service. And so long as that they're told about the service, even if their school is eight hours away from Sydney, long as the school has a Wi-Fi, and I live 10 minutes from the centre of Sydney, sometimes I have worse Wi-Fi than they do in regional areas. So I'm not even joking. So long as they've got Wi-Fi, and remember the young person's going to be in Sydney potentially or in Queensland or in Melbourne, but the school, there's no reason why we can't get a robot out to the school. And yeah, I think, and like you said, that equitable access is going to be, is, is really important. And I think we've showed that, you know, we've, like I said, we've got two robots in um, Tasmania, which is, you know, great to see. Yeah, that's awesome, Nate. So the inevitable question now. So in an ideal world, all young people facing cancer treatment would have a telepresence pal, but who's going to pay for it? And who should manage it? Is it an education problem? Is it a healthcare problem? Yes, great question. And I think, you know what, I don't think it's a, a one or the other. Like it's not an education or a healthcare problem. It's a both. Like what we'd love to see is them working together to look at how we can support young people with this program. And I think, I mean, a good example, and we've seen that there is good examples of programs where I think there's a program called um, New South Wales Health School Link uh, Program. So it's a program that's duly run by both Department of Education in New South Wales and New South Wales Health. So we've got a program there and it's about supporting, about screening for mental health issues in the school environment and then making referrals off to appropriate health services. Now that's a New South Wales example, but we've seen a program that's been around for quite a few years that brings together health and education. And what we really want to see though is a national rollout. And I think the thing about COVID has highlighted um, in Australia is that Australia has both state-based health and state-based education, and they're very different across those. But ideally, what we'd want to be seeing from a robots program is really a national solution where we combine somehow health and education at a national program, really as a partnership, really to help improve outcomes for this really vulnerable cohort. So the answer to your question is, I don't think it's one or the other. But the ideal is that there's a national approach combining um, those two groups. So I think we've still a little bit of work in that that space. Because remember, you know, obviously I've been talking specifically about young people with cancer and telepresence robots. And, and actually what I didn't say before is, you know, I talked a bit about, you know, young people with chronic disease and they've got issues with missing school because of their disease. And of course, and young cancer patients actually miss even more school you know they're they miss even more school than um, children with chronic disease but again children with chronic disease are still missing school so really this is you know we're trialing this with young people with cancer and we want to this group's even more vulnerable we see you know higher levels of um, absences from school but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be also supporting young people with chronic disease so if we could look at this from a a national perspective, then really we're helping all young people with, with an illness to get supported through school when they're missing it. So there are wider applications. Yeah, and definitely. how much does it cost? Are they expensive, the robots? <laughs> it depends on which robot you, you're looking at. The ones on the, the little stationary ones are about $3,000. But remember, that's 
that's not just for one person because, you know, say a young person has it for six months during their, their treatment, you know, and for a pediatric patient, a cancer treatment can go anywhere from three months, maybe up to sort of 12 months if they have a bone marrow transplant. But even if a young person has it, say, for three to six months during their treatment and then they tr- transition back to school and then the robot can be used for a new young person. But obviously, Canteen, we're supporting this program as well with IT support and, you know, obviously service coordinators as well. So, yes, there is a lot that goes into the program, but the robots itself, it's not just for one young person. They can be used over and over again for lots of young young people over time. So there's lots of potential there. That's fantastic. I've got a great vision of a, a special cupboard in the canteen offices that you open it up and it's full of all the sleeping robots Actually, that haven't been sent out yet. You know what? <laughs> there is a cupboard that has that. But the, the funniest the funniest is that there is, obviously we haven't been in the office much recently, but I remember when I first started, there's one of the bigger robots that are on the Segway and it's sitting up right near where, where we um, sit. And sometimes I think I heard when they first started using the robot, there was a few practical jokes played where someone controlling it from their computer and all of a sudden moving the robot across the uh across the floor so yes i think that has been done and i think there is a cupboard somewhere of robots actually more like a room like a a space at the moment because no one's in the office but yes it's exactly what you're thinking really (laughs) so yes so my last somewhat frivolous question Have you programmed them to encourage the kids to eat their veggies? (laughs) Yes. You know what? I wish they could do that. I mean what are we looking at? Was it (laughs) 4% of Australian children eat uh, enough uh, fruit and veggies. So I think if we had a robot that did that, you know, I I think we'd know about it by now, actually. I think (laughs) we would definitely know about it because there are plenty of parents out there would pay a lot of money for that robot. So, you know, there we go. Future uh, future dreams for uh, for someone to design. <laughs> Fantastic! I'm a big fan of Canteen. I've always thought it's a very innovative organisation. Yeah, it is. It sounds yeah. like you have a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely, I've loved working there. Fantastic! So before we wrap up, I will make sure that we include the link to the paper in the show notes. But were there any other resources that you want to mention? You know what, if you want to know more about the robots uh, service or to look at referrals, then the best place to go is the Canteen website. So, you know, canteen.org.au. And the robots program, it supports, so Canteen supports young people impacted by cancer 12 to 25 years. Obviously, this is a school-based program. So you've got a young person having, you know, undergoing treatment for cancer between the ages of 12 to 17, 18 years. So if they're in school, then they can, then there is the potential to make a referral for the young person. So all the information is on our Canteen website, as well as I mentioned a few of the other programs that I evaluate. So if you want to know anything more about any of our programs and services that Canteen has, just go onto the website and all the information is there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. We'll speak to you soon, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Oncology Podcast. If you enjoyed today's edition and would like to subscribe, head over to our website, oncologynews.com.au and sign up to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.